welcome back to The Discussion Phase, our weekly board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love to talk about the games we love. As always, I'm your host, John. And I'm Matthew. And on this week's episode, we're deciding should we stay or should we go? We're going to take a look at Matthew's shelf of shame and decide what games we want to play and what games we're getting rid of. We'll also catch up on some recent plays and some board gaming news, so stick around. And buckle up. Oh, Matthew, I just, I said it last week. I just love this summer music, man. I know. It just, oh, it's like cool water if you're parched, man. It's just refreshing to the soul. And speaking of water, we mentioned last oh. week that uh, Brady is in Greece, and he recently just sent us a picture the other day. We mentioned he was getting the board game Santorini, but he actually got it out and right. played it. Uh, he sent us a picture we posted in the Discord. I think mm-hmm. we put it on Instagram as yep. well. Um, and so you have the board game with the white buildings, the blue roofs that are domed. And in the background, in you the have, background, in the sunset, you have the same the buildings. actual buildings in Santorini. I tagged yeah. Roxley Games. Uh, yes, you can use that photo is if Ro- you want. Is Roxley, uh, yeah, Roxley Roxley's Games? doing the new uh, new Kickstarter, at least. I think it's them and Spin Master Okay, together. I don't think Roxley had the original, did they? Uh, I don't know, but I tagged them, so maybe I should have tagged Spin Master. But anyways, um, great bucket list item. It's, uh, you know, there's very few board games that tie into actual like location themes. I we have like. done an episode on that. And uh, that was one of the one on, on Brady's list, I think. I almost brought Spirit Island on my honeymoon so I could play Spirit Island on an island. But when you think about how much that game weighs, it wasn't really going to fit into my uh, my suitcase. So yeah. uh, maybe next time. <laughs> Maybe yeah. on the I could have brought it to like a Tybee Island or something like that, yeah. you know. And I think Brady probably would have taken Santorini out of the box and then just folded it and put it in yeah pieces and put it in a plastic bag. Yeah, that's what he's done before when he's, he's traveled. He's professional at that. He's mentioned a couple times in the podcast when uh, you know he lived in China and his wife did as well, um, or when they were dating. I think and he would visit him. He'd pack up board games in plastic bags and put them in a suitcase and bring them around. Yeah, it's good stuff. But anyways, Matthew. Um, we had our episode drop this past week on Guards of Atlantis. So what did we then do immediately, uh, like the day after or whatever? We played Guards of Atlantis. We played Guards of Atlantis. Yeah. Um, so again, we talked a lot about the game, so maybe we won't explain you know, the general mechanics of it. But uh, this play, you and I got to be on a team. That has not happened yet, Matthew. And everyone knows that we're the dynamic duo, the mad dogs. And that, I hadn't won yet. And so I and you hadn't lost yet at the time. And exactly. so I said one of us one of us is changing our status on that uh, yeah. by the end of the day. And uh, like, let me hear some of the thoughts. I know we talked in length about the game and yeah. some of your qualms. Um, how did this game play out and how did you uh, enjoy it what did you not like still some of the same complaints or anything get better well we won so it's clearly now a top 10 game Absolutely. of all time no um th- th- my biggest complaint was mentioned last week that the game never felt like it ended the way Sad it should fun. yeah um, and that was mainly because we played just a three push yeah. half game we played a full game five push and we won uh based on a final push and we were close to either eliminating enough of the uh, your opponents enough times um, but i thought this was the best game we played because it actually felt tight not and it didn't feel tight because i in my mind the minions are a secondary there's something they're a priority but on priority one versus two they're kind of a secondary you, your priority needs to be on your opponents and that felt like it was always present through the yeah. entire game even though we won and um we got the final push we killed minion you know if if i had made a misplay because how it works is your opponents have six health points essentially five Five health points, yep. and when you defeat uh, one of your enemies, they lose either one, two, or three health points depending on their level. Yep. And so, what can happen at the end of the game? You know, you may be ahead in health points, but at the very end of the game, I was level three, 
And so if they were able to get a kill on my character, yeah. they would have won, even though we were in their territory. Right. And I love that because even though it applies pressure, it right. applies pressure. We're in this, we're pushing toward the end game to win. We're in a good position. But if we don't play optimally, just like that, it'd be taken away. And I enjoyed and, that tension being between the players, yeah. not, well, the board state is changing. I can't do anything about it. I think the interesting thing is when we think about getting to that kind of fifth round. So say uh, they won that push and it came back to the middle. Um, it still would have been about player. That death. round is probably going to be the last round anyways, because you're either going to win the push or kill somebody. And so I think the the push ending it isn't as big of a deal to me because some characters are just stronger at like farming or going after the minions. And so I actually got a chance to play this again uh, last week on Wednesday night with um, Jacob and our good buddy Andrew and, and his brother ended up playing as well. Um, and I lost that game and we lost at the very end to the push on round five. And it would have come to if the push didn't end that round, we probably would have had a chance to get a, a character kill. But um, Andrew also had a really, really good play to kind of uh, nerf or, or so he was playing Tiger Claw and Tiger Claw has this level three ability. It's like a poison dart. And when you use it on somebody, all of their items go from adding stats to removing stats. So his brother had... When you say items. So the items are the things you slot on your player board okay. that give you bumps to the stats. So his his brother had a plus one attack, plus two defense, plus one initiative. All that immediately flips to oh. minus. And that card stays on you until you use that poison dart on somebody else. So it was brutal to have that on him because that entire round, he just got kind of nerfed and had to run away. Um, but it was a really close finish. And Jacob actually had this really, really good play where he like used one of his cards to make two minions not count towards the uh, minion battle at the end of the round. And I was driving home thinking, I was like, man, so so uh, David was like running and running away from Andrew. And I'm like, one turn, he could have technically not run, banking on Andrew not using his attack card and like move Jacob out. It was just like, I was thinking about the layers to this game too. And, and Jacob and I were going back and forth in a text message. And I think my appreciation for the game has grown um, I still get frustrated at it because I think one mistake can really cost you like the whole game. Um, so I had a scenario where I, but we, we, we praise other games for that, right? Sure, Cause sure. it gives value to every, to every turn, right? Every but there turn. was one turn where um, my character let me use the action of, I had a card that said, use the action of a card in your opponent's discard pile. And I was like, Oh, that's great. And so Jacob had played this card that I could have stolen to like run over him and make him discard a card, et cetera. And in my mind, I was like, oh, yeah, this works. And then I'd already gone through and made sure I had the card to defend against Jacob's attack, right? So I already made sure I knew what his attack card strength was, and I knew I had enough defense. And then my P brain decided to play the card. They were the same card, right? My card with the highest defense left was the card that had this effect. So I played, and Jacob reveals his attack card, and I immediately was like, oh, no. So they killed me, reset me all the way back, and then they defended the push on their side. And then from that point, we went from being on the, you know, the front leg to being on the back and it was just tight yeah. kind of all the way down. But uh, my appreciation for this game has continued to grow as so I've played it. And now I think we've played with, I've played with all of the different eight characters that Jacob has either in the game with them or as them myself yeah. um, to give me an appreciation time? of, we may need to. Yeah. Mike, like, and, and it gives me appreciation for the characters and I'm realizing just like the, the stars or like the complexity of the character doesn't necessarily mean how difficult they are to play. I think it's more about like the specificity of like when they're good versus when they're like super good, right? Like my character was playing all off of like empty minion spawns. So like if you could set it up, super powerful. But if you couldn't, 
you were kind of like on the weaker side yeah. because you Whereas were just Whereas Brogon is always just consistently. Right. And I think yeah. that's as this, the. So the high, so you would say that the three stars, they have potential for a higher peak power. I'm just a little I bit more situational. And, and I think it's more, um, it's not that the one stars aren't difficult either. It's more that I think the higher complexity adds additional layers or hoops you have to jump through to get incremental value versus like Brogon's like, all right, I'm going to run it and I'm going to hit him. Right, like Brogon's over and over and straight, over. and he's got defense cards to help himself, and he's got another attack. Right, like his game plan is very simple. You don't really need to think about outside of your charge card how you're maneuvering around too much. Where some of these oh, other characters, you're that's like, that's what you think, John. See, I have never played Brogon either, yeah. and that's the thing. Um, the thing is, it's tricky in a hex in a hex system when your character can only move straight. If the further you get away from a character, the right. harder it is to hit them because your straight pass. Yep. Create these little That's wire why I want to play the, the Swift, the sharpshooter one, who's got like the five or six range attacks, but it has to be in a straight line. I'm it's like, it's tricky. Whoo. But knowing that, you can plan around it. In my right. mind, a great when when Guards of Atlantis is great is like when that scene from John Wick two, which I love my John Wicks. I haven't the John, seen any of them. Oh, John, whenever I get my new place, which is going to be very soon, I got that 120 inch projector screen. As long we'll as you don't watch them, don't go to sign all your mortgage paperwork the uh, you know hour before game nights. No, won't do that. Uh, but there's a scene in John Wick 2 where uh, Keanu Reeves, John Wick, and then Common, he's playing a guy, Cassian, which is a bodyguard for someone John Wick just killed. They're walking through a subway system. John Wick's on the bottom level. Common's on the top level. They both have silencers on their gun, and they're having their guns outside of their suit, shooting at each other in a crowd of public space, and they're kind of dodging <laughs> in and out of people, sniping at each other very quietly, nonchalantly. And it's, it's just the most epic, like, what-in-the-world scene. That's fun. And that's, in my mind, like a great uh, moment in Guards of Atlantis where you're both just trying to move at the same pace just sniping each other left and right but the minions are in the middle that you're trying yep. to work around that's why i get my biggest complaint was in three push you're like i don't care if i die it's inconsequential yes right. i get out of position but sometimes dying in a three push game is good because it pushes you back towards your side right um and so you never have to worry about that and it was all just just kill me and if i push you're like gosh if i die then i would be forced to decide like between going for the minions and playing defensively and if you die early, it just makes you play on your back foot like the rest of the back half of the game and limits your options. So yeah, so uh, three three push is great for first one or two. I, teach I do plays. Not think outside of the very first time you're playing this with somebody, or even the first time you're learning it, I would do a three push. I would even yeah. recommend if somebody or a if you're and, doing a three push, your 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 opponents have one less health instead of five, and they have four, and so it actually maybe put a little more tension on yeah. character death. I think. Um, and, and David was pretty familiar with games and he got, he got things pretty well. Um, Andrew's brother. And so we, we just did a five push game. And and I think even if two people have played at the game before and you put them on opposite sides, I would lead off with a five push because that's a full experience, I think. And, yeah. um, I don't know this game is rising up my, up my rankings. I'm enjoying it more and more each time I play, um, excited for this new Kickstarter to come in eventually. Um, Shout out to David for bringing this game in. Not new our, characters that I want. I just want new maps that maybe change how you spatially think about where you're New maps thinking. and new characters, man. We have, I mean, game. there's so many characters, even the ones that Jake has currently. I really would love to try that large map. Oh, imagine two-handing characters. We could do a eight-character eight game, but two teams of two, two-handing characters. Oh, my goodness. You know, I would... I would be crazy enough just to try that with you, John. Oh, Matthew, we could go 1v1, both of us eight-handing. Or forehanding. Well, I think the game is lost a little. You have to have at least yeah, some yeah, partner. You, you have to have a partner. You got to have a partner. Because um, that's, that's kind of the, the, we kind of balance off each other. Yep. But um, we also got in another play of Eternal. Yeah. A Chronicle of Throne. I know we've talked about this one a lot in the past. And it, it's probably one of, it's my, I think it's my favorite deck builder that is focused on 
combat and defense, attack, defense. Um, and I think it's just a perfect balance of theme that is just enough fantasy to where it has a little bit of escapism, but not so much that you just feel sure. lost in it or super grim dark. Um, it has just enough icons or or key terms, or I guess uh, when I say icons, uh, like suits or classes of different cards to where there's definitely d- very distinct builds you can make and combos without ever feeling overwhelming or overpowered, uh, overwhelming or I don't I don't know what my opponent's doing when they're buying a card. You never really feel that in this game, and it, it just it just pushes just enough to where you can casually just jump into the game, um, even with the expansion content and a new player. Uh, yeah, it's probably best at two to three, but I still enjoy it at four because that just means that I, diversity of the card market is going to be a lot more unique. Uh, there's even a little bit, even though there's an alliance, you're talking to people on the other side. It's like, hey, just take that two damage yeah. so then you can push more damage because the whole concept is you play your cards. You either have cards that are going to let you buy more cards. You have units. Those units are either going to defend things that are coming your way or you can leave them out there and attack the next person in, in clockwise order. Yeah. And I think it's great. Um, like I mentioned before, I, I would love even more content or different modules, not not more to where it's all just one game, but maybe different little modules that you can pull in or out. Um, but I think it's a it's a great balance of unique because uh, we we got into um, what is the other? Uh, it was like a competitor to Magic the Gathering. It all comes in one deck. Um, oh, Keyforge. Keyforge. We got yeah. into Keyforge yeah. a little bit there. Um, it never really. I never really felt like excited about i think the fact that you just have the deck that you're given like that's a really cool novelty but i think it removes depth from the game and it removes replayability replay but yes replayability because the replayability is is buying a new deck right yeah and and that's that's a little little gimmicky um whereas this the re i mean i've never played the only thing you'll get the same possibly reliably is you know there's a, a set of like eight or nine like starting units and you everyone's randomly given one or everyone's given two and you could pick one. Right. Those are things you most likely, but they're very basic starting little units and, but they can start off the strategy. But then every time you go through that deck, it's going to be something new, something different, different combos. Um, and I think it's great. Um, it's definitely my favorite. I enjoy dice forge, maybe more for the theme and yeah. the dice, Yossi mechanic two V two. Um, so I think that would be my two-player one I would go with just because it's quick, light, dice and fun. Throne, dice, what I say? You said Dice Forge. Dice Forge, Dice Throne. Um, but at a three or four-player count, yeah, it's a little bit longer at a three or four, but I didn't feel like it was ever too long. And yes, there is player elimination, but you're. I, mean, I went out and like the game only went on for another four or five minutes, and then that was it. And so it was very close. And so I think it's, I think it's great. Um, still recommend it for anyone who wants to... A, a deck builder that is... Um, not like the Dominion style where you have the right. set card, the card set out. Because I know uh, Dice Tower just recently did their top 10 deck builders of all time. Dominion, I think, made a couple of their number ones or number twos. Dune actually was one most consistently across the board highest ranked, I think. Because yeah. Dune made three of those top three or four. Um, and I would actually agree with that. I think the deck building part uh, oh, is Dune is very robust. A lot of things I complimented uh, Eternal for Dune has the same thing: faction identity, comboing things, focusing different suits, um, and it has a lot of implications on the board strength. Um, and have you ever played Dominion, Matthew? I don't know. Dominion was one of the first. I played Dominion almost every day. I've never, I never heard you school. mention it. Dominion, Dominion Intrigue were the two expansions. Did you enjoy had. it then? I guess. Oh yeah, I loved Dominion as a kid. Yeah, 
I played I played it a handful of times with Brady because he still has some older coffees he likes bringing out. But I would do the overpowered strategy every time. You just go for a bunch of gold, and then you go province, 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 province. That's what I do almost every game. Once we found that out, that it was just overpowered to try to go, well, maybe, I don't know. I don't know competitive dominion, but in our little circle of when we would play, Whoever got the most gold local would, then just, would then just turn into churning through provinces and all that. Um, I remember one time, I think in, I want to say it's in Intrigue. There's, you know how there's like the victory point cards, right? Yeah. There's one where like you got points based on how many Dukes you had, which is like the middle one, right? You had like the province, the Duke, and then the estate, um, which were like the different point value cards in the base game. And then I remember one time trying the strategy of like, I'm going to get a bunch of Dukes and then I'm going to get this one that gives me points for all of them. And I got trashed. So Anyways, um, then you now you also got in recent. I don't know how long you've had it, but Wingspan Asia. Yeah, so I picked up Wingspan Asia from our local board game store just a couple of weeks ago. Um, Dwayne's uh, up in Kingsport. Um, been visiting them a couple of times for some more. And for preference, we all and, really like Wingspan. Wingspan, oh yeah. I think, is in our top fifty. But and I think the one thing none of us are asking for is, you know, what we need more content. So I think I'm a little behind on that though, because I missed the original Wingspan bandwagon, and I've also never played, and I don't own Oceania or uh europe or whatever the two expansions are so i just have base game wingspan and my wife and i enjoy playing this one um together she's pretty good at it too um so wingspan asia is a standalone wingspan game that has a completely standalone it, it, so it all integrates into wingspan proper. the greater wingspan um, and it adds kind of two big things so it adds a duet mode so there's a dedicated 1v1 mode um, that obviously can be integrated it adds like this board and then it also adds this flock mode which i think can take the game up to seven or eight people i don't know no, if i want to play eight no. person wingspan um but I, unless two I, people I were going at the same time i didn't read the flock rules there may be some kind of simultaneous play but um wingspan asia so the duet mode my wife and i actually played this last night um the real question the games i've seen other games do stuff like this but why wouldn't you just have two four player games of wingspan oh if you wanted to play if you had eight time, people and, and everyone just wanted to play the scores across the tables yeah yeah you could there's not i mean there's no reason outside of if you really want to trigger those in between turns and make sure you get your best bargain it's like i was mentioning the other week about you can play a variant of like 4v4 dead of winter yeah and it's like why unless you're just crazy people and just want to do it once just no. just to say you did it um so the big new thing with wingspan asia in the duet mode is what it's called is there's this duet board so it does two things right the first thing is it has a new set of uh, end of round scoring goals. So everyone's familiar with the basic ones, birds in, uh, you know, the green zone or eggs laid on these kinds of nests, et cetera. These are the general scoring. And you either have the friendly where you go up from one to five, or you have the competitive where it's the most, it's kind of all or nothing. So the scoring tiles for these are all or nothing. Um, and all of the scoring tiles reference the new duet board. So what it is, it's kind of a grid structure um, where they have different um, kind of circles or locations for each habitat. Um, so your your green, your yellow, and your blue um, habitats. And then whenever you play a bird onto your board, you start with kind of 15 tokens. They almost look mm -hmm. like the yin yang. So it's like the white and the um, black kind of uh, semicircles yeah. um, that are curved. So you play a bird, you take the token from that location and you get to place it out on the duet board. And the restriction is you have to place it in the zone, right? Green, yellow, or blue on a location that matches a requirement on the bird. So it either is a type of food, it's the nest, it's the wingspan, it's whatever it might be. Um, and so you're placing these tokens out on the duet board. And so the end of round scoring goal may be most tokens on the edge of the board or most tokens in a straight line or most tokens on bonus spaces, et cetera. And then at the end of the game, you also score your largest contiguous grouping. 
So if you're able to kind of play your birds in a way that chains them on this duet board, you can score some extra points at the end of the game. I think I enjoy the way the duet mode changed the scoring because um, it is it is all or nothing. Um, I think it made it a little less luck dependent, right? So maybe if you're playing with the regular tiles, your opponent just has X type of birds, right? And they got a bunch of the, you know, cup nests or whatever they're called. And that was one of the scorings. I was like, I think it removes some of the luck or the variance in a, um, you know, the base game scoring tiles for a two player. And it creates this fun little puzzle that you get to go back and forth. And there is some ability to block your opponent or try to cut them off. Um, didn't really do that much, but um, overall I had a fun time with it. It came obviously with a whole new set of bird cards, a new set of end game scoring cards. Some of the new bird card abilities were, and again, I haven't played the expansions, but from base wingspan, some more unique abilities um, or different like end game scoring stuff, which I enjoyed. Um, so yeah, we got that in last night, played pretty quickly too. It wasn't, you know, we're both familiar with wingspan, so yeah. it's pretty snappy, but I have found um, as a self-contained package, if you were just a couple looking to buy wingspan and then and with no play, other content, I would honestly just pick this up because it's more dedicated to, you'll have less bird cards overall. So you might see them more, but then you can feed in the expansions or the base yeah, game. Cause but, I think that some of the base cards are definitely more powerful or less powerful depending on player count. It's right. just, just the reality of it. And so you can have a lot of dead cards in the market without a way of, of wiping them until the end of the round. Right. Um, I will say Wingspan that I found in the most enjoyable form um, has just been base game in Europe. Yeah. I don't... Is the Oceana it, the one with the Nectar? It adds Nectar and it adds like uh, the yellow cards, which I believe are like end of game. Oh, there's some of those in... Uh, type focus. Asia. Yeah. Um, I've just never found those to be as integrated into strategy versus something that's just See, more tacked on so i had one that was pretty cool um and i had it in my starting hand so i kind of went after it and it said uh, at the end of the game find your long like your largest contiguous grouping of birds that all have the same nest type and you get to lay an egg on each one of them so that's kind of a cool thing i could yeah. plan for it's having issue, it in my starting hand yeah the um, thing that i that i've had where i try to stay away from those is you just never know what's going to come out and yeah. wingspan is definitely a game where you have to zig and zag your strategy and so it's to me it is not a game that lends itself to okay here is my definitely here's my starting right. there are definitely things i like to do in wingspan and i want to do because sure. i feel they're, they're good but like i just can't say this is what i'm gonna do in this and the game will allow me to focus on this strategy and so if i just invest in those early in game cards or just use or hold them in my hand and um they can just kind of be dead weight and kind of slow you down that's that's the only thing uh, but I do, yeah. Wingspan is a great game. That big box, we not, I don't think none of us have gotten it yet, which I don't think you need to, because I still, outside of the the new game boards from Oceana, I still have all the content and just base, yeah, base box. But the big box does look great. Um, now, didn't you say you were getting in a new game? You may have mentioned this to I me earlier. I am getting delivered today um, from a publisher that you don't love, Matthew. Okay, don't um, love that is fan. Well, a publisher I don't love. Hold on. I don't. I give Stonemeyer a lot of heat, but it's not that I don't love them. No, this is a game. Fantasy uh, Flight. No, I'll, it'll give it away as soon as I kind of tell the reason why I ordered it. Um, give me the publisher name. It's Level Ninety Nine. Oh, did you get an Imperial Age of Steam or whatever? No, I didn't. Um, so David and I, obviously, we mentioned in our last podcast, had our big oh Bullet weekend, Heart, and yeah. uh, we played some Bullet Man. And David, is it just Bullet or is it Bullet Heart? So I got Bullet Star, which bullet is Star. Uh, the expansion or the the game that they had in stock online all a lot of their stuff was out of stock unfortunately but um now, i've never said uh, this first is a, off they're suckering me with coupons man they gave me a 20 dollars <laughs> off coupon 
And then after I got my purchase, they said, if you post a picture on your Instagram, we'll send you another $20 off coupon. I was like, are you kidding me? Wow. They're, they're wanting me to buy some stuff, but I got bullet star. It's so for anybody who hasn't seen this game, it's a real time, which is usually a struggle of mine. So Tetris mechanic, I would say it's similar to a Tetris. It's like a puzzle game. So what I think is really unique about this game. And David says this, um, if you haven't seen the game, right, very anime themed, um, David says this game is great despite of its theme. So for David, the theme detracts from the game, but even despite of that, he still loves this thing. So first off, the way the game works is you've got like five uh, lanes and I'm, I don't know all the terminology. So if someone's listening to this as a huge fan, there is specific terminology for like your bag, similar to like, uh, like if you ever played Android Netrunner where they call like your deck something and your hand something, there's terms for it. But you have like five lanes, right? And they're five colors. On your turn, you're pulling like chits out of a bag or there's like these deluxe wooden ones, which are out of stock. Otherwise I would have gotten them. And these pieces are falling into your board. I think you have six different spots. So if you pull a purple bullet that or a red bullet that has a two on it, you put it two spots down, right? And it's kind of a little bit of a push your luck. Right. So you, you're pulling these blindly out of a bag and your goal is to eliminate these bullets. So every character has different ways that they can get rid of bullets, typically through patterns that say, I want to have, you know, it's a, usually a, it will show like a three by three grid and show a certain way that the Bullets should be oriented in order to and color um, coordinate get them right. right. Sometimes in color, sometimes in number, etc. So it's really just like a real time puzzle game, um, very Tetris esque. If you think of like Tetris Battle, where anything that I eliminate then goes to the person clockwise for them to add to their bag. So if I have a really good round, the person after me may get knocked out because if a bullet ever goes to the bottom of your uh, row, you lose life. you lose a life and it kind of slides over. And so I think it's a pretty fun and honestly, what kind of Push me over the edge, set aside the, the $20 coupon I got. So I got about, for about $30, I got this and that shipped too. Which is, is it a standalone expansion? Yep. So it's a standalone expansion, but the cool thing, so I think it comes with eight uh, characters. Every character can be kind of flipped over and it's a boss. So you can play this game solo or cooperatively too, as well as competitively. And every asymmetric or unique character has their own unique kind of boss you can fight. So David said he's really enjoyed playing some of those two. Um, I figured for $30, I'll give it a shot if I don't like it. It seems to be out of stock a lot of places right now, so maybe I can resell it or trade it. But um, for something kind of fun or different, um, I don't know if my yeah. wife would like it, um, but I'll certainly try playing with her if she she's interested. But um, I did pick up Bullet Star. Um, they also have Bullet Orange, which is like a four-character expansion that is uh, you need a base game for, and then Bullet Hard is the, the main base game. But Yeah. I don't think this game is bad. It's just not one that I want to sit down and play three or four times straight. And every time sure. I've sat down to play it, when people brought it out, they want to want to be played multiple times back to back, and so I enjoy. Sure. I, I don't. I enjoy appreciate the puzzle part of it, but it just it doesn't get me excited enough to where okay, now I want to go play yeah. it again because there's not really there's not really there's not strategy going into it. It's how do I respond and push your luck, which is all great, you know, pulling things from a bag. Um, and it is it's well, it's not multiplayer solitaire, but you're not doing things. You just don't know what the person to your right is going to do, so you can't. You don't know if they're going to push you disc or they're not going to push you sure. disc. Maybe some advanced strategy is looking at their board and knowing how it's going to go. But you just essentially do your best. And if someone just throws a bunch of stuff at you, you're just tough luck if they don't. And so, yeah. and, that, and the thing, if you're sitting next to someone who's not playing well to your right, it gives you an advantage. Yeah, it does. That's that's kind of thing. So seating order, you need to make sure is random because uh, you just yeah. don't want to sit left to the person who has played the game the most. <laughs> Yeah. Well, when we played, I ended up winning. Um, and I think I, I, I don't think I cheated. That's Brady's big qualm of it is it's easy to cheat because it's real time. I think that's a player problem, not a game well, problem. Well, not even cheat, but just do things in um, error. Like, 
Because so a lot of it's real space, time, right? It allows space for there to be mistakes. Yeah, but there's because right. a lot of it is spatial, and so how are you looking at thing and orientating? And you may be looking at something incorrectly and just going with it. Um, okay. Well, right. I, I'm interested to see how you enjoy enjoy the game. Hey, come on. Anyways, yep. that is. Uh, I think that's all we really played the past couple uh, the past week. Yeah. We've been uh, actually pretty timely on recording uh, episodes. Which yeah, is but nice, there's some so. there's some juicy news uh, that's oh. recently come out just in the past couple of days. Uh, definitely one I'm excited about. And so uh, Terraform Mars is a top classic four or five game for it's me somewhere for in there. the board gamer soul. I think it's fantastic. I don't think we play it enough. My Great. only qualm with uh, Ares Expedition is that it's not Terraform Mars. Ares Expedition existed without, I always say this, if it exists without Terraform Mars, the Ares Expedition is great. Let's, it's fantastic. But yeah. I'm like, I'm not playing e- either of those games without you all. And if we're playing with, with us, why don't we play the big game? Uh, because there's a lot of other games that are more yeah. unique or different at that smaller, smaller game yeah, box yeah. size and plays about the same time. There's more unique things we can do. Um, but they're announcing a Prelude 2. Uh, is right now it's Electric just called Prelude. Boogaloo. Prelude 2, no other unique name. And so it's the going to be the sixth actual expansion for Terraform Mars. And yes, it's going to add some new corporations, yeah. some more project cards. Long, but the two things that I think is going to be interesting to see what they do that actually make this one unique and worth looking at is one, it, it mentions that it's a focus on cross expansion effects. Yeah. And I think is really unique. Brady's um, going to love that one. Is because right now uh, we haven't played um, Turmoil. Turmoil. Or That's Venus the only Rising, right? Or what's the other one? Venus v- Next. Venus Next. We've incorporated Venus Next. Uh, it just adds a new track that you can. The, the reason why I love Colonies outside of Prelude is, is I love playing with Colonies is because it gives you an option to do with, because I, you, some people may not experience it if you haven't played a lot, but I played a lot of Terraform Mars. In some games, you are just stuck with an abundance of certain types of resources with nothing to do with them. They're sitting there. Or the heat track has already been maxed out, and you're just generating this heat. Right. And you, so one one milestone reward may be heat at the end of the game, but if you're playing with a different map or different milestones, that may not be part of it. But Colonies allows you essentially to spend actions to invest those resources into other bonuses or rewards, which I think is great for flexibility so you're just not stuck just what's on your board i think that's great um venus next essentially adds some some new combos of icons on cards you can go after a new track that you can invest in uh it's not required for in-game state and so you it's it gives you flexibility because you know terraform mars is is a big game and like we mentioned with other games with the card market really dictates what you have to go after and go for and sometimes the cards just aren't there for what you want to do and so the question is how can I, how can I pivot? And nothing right. is worse than in a big game, which you love and you're invested in. It's like, I just can't, you feel like I can't do anything yeah. efficient, but those two expansions allows, allows you to flex and, and do something different that may not be as beneficial as some other things, but it pushes you forward, which I think is great. Um, we haven't added turmoil in cause it adds some like voting and some like essentially some very kind some of more, uh, uh, intrigue and politics, politics, you know, you essentially which I feel like isn't the reason we play terraforming Mars. No, and maybe that's why, but I mean, it adds some of the stuff from TI four type concept of like laws or effects that are in play and you can invest in being part of like the governing uh, party, which means it's kind of like a little area control game. You play, we still need to add that in, but there's not a lot of all the expansions are independent of each other, right? You yeah. don't have to do this one or, or that one. So I think is great, but when you play them, um, they don't, feel maybe as integrated yeah. as other stuff. I think Agreed. I think Colonies and Prelude are the most well-integrated expansions. Um, so I'm, I'm curious to see how this works. Uh, 
how how you know is something you're going to do with the colonies expansion board is that going to affect something with the venus yeah. or something else so that's interesting and the second thing that's going to be really interesting to see how they do is prelude cards that have ongoing effects and yeah. actions because right now all the prelude cards give you are two things either starting resources production bump and then a third thing is they count as tags some of them will have tags that you can hold on to which that's i think is new. which is yep. well that's already in there like the, the new, like ongoing effects. Yeah, ongoing effects. So that's cards, the yeah. prelude cards have those. They're usually, for the most part, one and done. And so an yeah. ongoing effect or action um, is interesting or how they're going to do that. Is it going to be kind of like our blue cards where you can tap them once per round? Or is it going to be a passive, if you do this, then that? That's kind of already where the co- the corporations come in. So it's curious to see, what are they going to do something a little bit different? So it's just not a, you're, it doesn't feel like you're playing with just two corporations which actually doesn't sound like a crazy idea. Hey. Double corporation, like a, corp, a module called the merger. You play with two corporations in combo. I think that sounds pretty fun. Uh, this, that would be pretty nice. Hey, listen. Uh, Take the average of the starting resources. It has. Yeah. Stronghold games, Fricks games. Give me a call. We'll oh. talk about it. Um, so it. I'm curious to see how they how the those two aspects of the prelude. Um, so this is already a must-buy for me. Cross expansion effects. Um they may add some rules in because every time they added these expansions, they may adjust some of the rules yeah. for uh, for how the game progresses. Like one thing you can do is like the solar phase so that to help shorten the game at the end of every round, um, whoever's the start player uh, chooses one of the three parameters or four parameters and just moves it up one. And so it helps pushes the end game state, you know, different little things like that to help with right. uh, uh, integrating all the expansions. So it just, yeah. I love expansion that, it just doesn't make the game longer that by in, by doing the expansion, it kind of accelerates the, the game state. So I, I'm really excited about that. I haven't seen anything about release date or time. I'm not quite sure if it's it may be coming to Kickstarter. I don't know why it would unless they're wanting to then sell like more copies of the big box and expansions. Yeah, Usually surprised. they do a lot of the only time they'll bring because it's a small little box. It's just going to be a deck of cards. Usually the only time they do it as a Kickstarter, a lot of these companies will as to like they want you to unlock the vault is what they'll right. say is like had now have access to our exclusive Kickstarter only type stuff. We're at a yeah. discount, which is essentially them just doing pre-sales and putting stuff out, which, yeah. you know, your opinion, Jay or nay for companies getting your money first before doing that. But I think, yeah, um, they're, they're, they're pretty consistent. They've been, they, they probably are some of the quickest that I've seen as far as like delivery, like the big box expansions and all that kind of stuff for, Terraform Mars have always been great on their delivery. Well, take that back. Ares Expedition was out. I take it back. I take it back. Ares Expedition was out in Target Target first, which I think that's a no-no. So, yeah, I'm excited for that A lot of people got mad and then they just didn't care. (laughs) Review bombed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Anyways, the last thing I wanted to mention before we get into our main topic today was um, Perseverance Castaway Chronicles. I saw this on Facebook and then also in the Longest Turn Discord. Uh, Beautiful cover art. Uh, was just released by David Turtsey. I saw it on on Facebook. But um, Perseverance, Castaway Chronicles, Episodes 3 and 4 were announced to be coming to GameFound this fall. So So, um, we haven't even played, and this is going to tie into our our topic too, which is why I'm I'm leading here. But um, Episodes 3 and 4, per the the page on BGG says, are two medium-heavy thematic Euro games. Yeah, so that's the big thing about Perseverance, sorry, is that they're can be played in a series, but also unique standalone games, which is crazy. It's, it's almost that I was going to get to that, Matthew. I'm sorry. You just so rudely I'm interrupted. I'm excited. Um, so, yes, the unique thing about this this big hunkin' box of games is that it's two games in one, but also you can play all four of these games when they come out as separate games, or there's going to be like a Chronicles mode. Th- that's through line. tie each four games to 
um, each other. And there's uh, like the cover art shows a dude riding a dinosaur, a couple dudes riding a dinosaur, so and they look like they're building a, a pyramid. Maybe there's some Anunnaki in here, Matthew. You never know. So the premise is like a an old TV show. Um, I'm going to have to look it up. Um, there was an old TV show um, called, it was called, yeah, it was called Terra Nova, which is funny because we have a lot of board games called yeah. like that, which is essentially, it was about a family from the year 2149 and the earth is dying. And so what they do, they are transported back 85 million years into a prehistoric earth and they join this Terra Nova, which is a colony of humans that are trying to restart up life and humans mm. and stuff. And that's kind of the vibe that I'm getting from Perseverance Castaway Chronicles is because it's like, it's a modern tech but they've been thrown into a past kind of dinosaur-controlled sure. world. But and I like so the, the general idea of, like, the first thing is, like, survival, then it's building up a little bit, and now in 3 and 4, who knows? They've befriended some dinosaurs, clearly. Like, they're building some kind of monolith-type structure in this art. The art is striking. I This is, uh, you know, and we'll get to it in a moment, but... Um, this is from Mind Clash Games, which oh. um, they are... Um, I think they're... I mean, maybe too bold of a statement, but I think they're at the peak for pushing theme and heavy Euro mechanics. I, I'm trying to think of who Lacerda. else. Well, Lacerda's theme is integrated, Matthew. but it's not fanciful. Like it's very grounded. Yes, yes. this okay, is pushing like sense. more. Yep. This is pushing more unique, fantastical theming yeah. with with heavy grounded mechanics. You know, from anachrony with with time travel yeah. and mechs to Tracarion. Which I'm, we talked about that the other week about a game. We need to get back to the table uh, with magicians. They have Cerebria, which is kind of like the mind and your different emotions and, and characters. Um, and they have Voidfall too, which I I almost backed. It's kind of supposed to kind of be kind of a replacement 4X game that kind of rivals something like uh, Eclipse or TI4 type of deal. Yeah. My only qualm with uh, with Mind Clash is sometimes they put too much in the kitchen sink. To where they lose a little of the elegance, yeah. right? Because yes, we love more, we love production, but can you just even read the state of the game, right? Yeah. Can you can you understand what's going on? Sure. It's not a matter of complexity; it's a matter of confusion. Hmm. I think um, has been a little qualm I've had with some mind clash, but they're always the company that I'm excited about whenever they have yeah. new titles. So, um, anyways, this kind of links into our topic today, Matthew. We have had a quite a busy last two years acquiring lots of games haven't we mm -hmm. and and when we play games we often do just play the games that we know and love we try to get new games to the table but uh, certain people in our group continue to buy games faster than we can play them so uh, what that results in is uh, a backlog or some people call it a shelf of shame um, and and you've built up a 25 30 game kind of backlog um, of all these games that you've got that at this point, we're kind of like, gosh, if we're going to play, I mean, we, we usually play games at least once a week, right? Sometimes more, but imagine, I mean, we would have to play a new game every week till the end of the year so in right, order to play through this backlog. So, so right, we, we need to prioritize. Yeah. So right now of, of the ones that I've at least listed in my yep. collection that are not excluding games have not arrived. These are games that we sure. have physical. We can touch them right now. Yep. 33. 33 games that we have not played. Now, one or two of them, one other person in the group may have played. Sure. But as a collective, we can't say we have played these. And yeah. I and I haven't um, played them. So 33. Um, it's it's quite a number. Um, now, some of these games have been acquired. Um, I found them great deals on the Facebook sure. Marketplace. I was like, I'm just going to grab them. 
Um, sometimes Some have been lugged around Gen Con. <laughs> oh my gosh, pain! Like we're going to talk about one that I had pain for the next week or two, and that is no joke. My back at work physically disturbed me. Yeah. Um, but so something whenever you go to these conventions, they'll have like buy. You wanted to get one game, but you could buy a second game for like half off. Sure. A couple of these games were bought that way. Um, there. So when we went um, to some sometimes conventions, they'll have these goodie bags, or sometimes yeah. they're. Like we, we did double conventions last year. Yeah, and, and Gen Con or Gen Con had a lot more than yeah. Packs, and but. sometimes they'll give away free games. So like CGE, I think one of these games, one or two of these games I got from like CGE. I think it was one of the publishers who you buy a game and they have a little smaller game that goes along with it. So a couple of games in this list are, uh, just here you go, courtesy games. There's that <laughs> one that did not make this list because we just didn't take it. That eBay the board game. Yeah, we 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 decided not to take that. But a, a couple. So I would say three I to take f- it. I think I literally left it in my left it. Room. Yeah. So th- I say three to four of those thirty three games are like games I per I I mind I didn't acquire myself. They were just sure, sure. thrown in. But that's still at least twenty five games that you have purposefully acquired because you want to play them. Yet some of them you've had Matthew. Let's be honest for over a year and we haven't played them. I think some of them, especially once we get towards August, if we haven't played some of these games, it's a little... Well, the thing is, I'm looking at these games all the time. You all aren't. So I feel I like part of it is like, these aren't just, these are and not then, in your And then we'll mind. ask you if you brought it, and no, it's sitting back at your house. Well, the thing is, I can't bring all the stuff, and we... we you got to take some Song of Ice and Fire out of your trunk, Matthew, and fit some more board yeah. games in there. But listen, when I got my place, and we can actually have some board game nights at my place, you all oh, can yeah. actually go see my full collection. You see them, it's like, wow, Ugh. look at all no these new games. seen your full collection and all. I haven't even seen my full yeah. collection. <laughs> I have my collection spread out across several rooms, across different people's homes. That's great. Um, yeah, I think, I think I've even had some got... stuff at my grandmother's house. <laughs> Your poor grandmother. Yeah. Anyways, um, so what we're going to do is uh, Matthew supplied me his list of. Um, well, I also want to preference. We're not. I don't think we are collectors. Outside of a couple games, we've got signed by like Cole Worley, some different designers. For the most part, we're not collectors. Like we want to play games and we want to enjoy not just look at and say, I just have X amount of games in my collection just for the sake of, right? I think right. that would, across the board, um, like there's been a lot of games that we've looked at. I was like, man, that was really cool. Like even looking, you looked at Elder Scrolls, like we're not going to get that played. Is it justify owning it? Um, and so that's, that is our mindset. And so sometimes you have to come to the harsh reality. Maybe we're not going to get it played. Um, I think, uh, I don't think, like you said, we're gonna we, we each made a list of three games that we most want to get played next. Three games that we think may just need to say bye to that may not get it. Uh, from, but I think a lot of these games at least deserve a try just because they were maybe unique or they stood out or they were some of the, the, the hot new titles when from the we've past got year. Thirty something games, right? We've got to prioritize, and then we also have to be realistic with, hey, is this a game that I could offload right now? Yeah, or you know, get get a uh, you know. Not, not all these are heavy games. Some of them right. are heavy games, but a handful of them are lighter that, you know, 45 to 90 minute games. So, you know, we just have a couple game nights dedicated to just new titles and we get a, knock, a lot of those knocked out. Some of them are a little player dependent um, on there. One that I'll mention that didn't make my list right now is Cosmic Frog. I actually got sure. that signed by the designer there at Gen Con last Come year, on. but that's a little bit more player count. You probably want about five people. Uh, to do there and we don't always have that number but yeah. when we do that's one that i want to make sure i hold on to as an option for it and so sure. we're just going to go go where do you want to do all the let's goods do and then the, do all let's the, do the bads first and the bads then first we'll talk okay about what works all right so why don't you start us off it'd be really awkward if some games were on <laughs> one list on one side versus the other yeah and I'm, so i'm going to come out hot man and obviously i know this is my list i i, I know i buy a These lot of your games a right? lot of i buy a lot of the games and so 
I can, I'll, when you pick some of these, I maybe I'll explain the reason why I, I bought them. Maybe I'll agree with you. We need to let them go. Or I say, John, you're insane. When you at least, yeah. I think at least give some of these a single try. Yeah. So the first one coming in hot because this game has made a pretty big splash. Um, but I think this isn't a game that's necessarily going to get regularly played or really hit that well for us. And I can explain why. This is Endless Winter Paleo Americans. Okay. So you pre uh, you kickstarted this game a while ago, right? This was I one have that it. this actually made the top. I can't remember whose, but it made someone's it, top five for deck builder on the right. dice tower. So, so this video. one has been making some splashes, and I don't think this is a bad game. That's not what I'm trying to say. I just think looking at the game first off, it's got the uh, the Micho. What do they call them? The Mikos art. Um, the same guy that does all the Garfield games. Yes. So first off, Brady's going to look at this game and say, "I don't want to play it." Probably Jacob too. So um, that's kind of part but of it. This but is a, it's not a it's not a trading in the Mediterranean thing. Correct. It, it's a cool theme, but I think from what I've seen, and it, albeit I haven't read the rules, it seems like there's a lot of different mechanics in here. It's kind of a, a fishbowl of a bunch of different correct kinds of mechanics, and I think the weight of it is probably a little on not on the it's not a light game three two three out of it's five. three two three out of five but it's probably going to be more towards what we would call a medium and i think yeah. from everything i've seen this might have and i know some people love like batoku right but i heard from you all there's like so much in that that it was hard to kind of focus on a specific but strategy it wasn't as much focus or, on it's like everything it, it nothing felt consequential like right. it was just a it was a we call it white noise the board game points out like every action you did did the same thing for you and just like I could do this yeah. action for two points or this action for two points or this one which one do I choose I just pick one yeah it was more of that yeah. versus because it's a beautiful like production of the game we're like this looks amazing right the concept it wasn't the mechanics it wasn't the uh, anything like that it was just why am I choosing these actions yeah. it just felt very homogenous yeah in, in this one you know in the description on board game geek it says endless winter is a euro style game that combines worker placement and deck building so, in an innovative way each round players send their tribe members to various action spaces and pay for the actions by playing cards which that's a thumb i mean we to enjoy me, that, that doesn't seem innovative though i'm saying i've well, already got games that do that yeah that i know i'm gonna like that seem to be more focused than this one yeah and, that's and part of it's the like the art style other things like that the like looking at a picture of this game set up looks really busy yeah, well, I do um, have I do have the the big play map for it, so that organizes and clean things up a lot. Idea. And they all have like game trays, so everything is I've organized See, it all. That's the other thing, Matthew, of why it's on my list right now is because if you're going to get rid of any of these games, this one you could probably recoup what you spent and maybe even more. And the reality of I don't think this is a game that's going to be a mainstay in our collection um, or mainstay in kind of our rotation. Obviously, to your point happy to play any of these i just think this one is very low on the priority list this is definitely one i want to um get played at least once yeah because i'm curious to see yes yeah, hey, we roast david all the time for selling games without playing them so we would be hypocritical if we didn't yes. at least try to play it once i but, i because yes it is is deck builder worker placement which it's been kind of the new hotness kind of combination um so that that is not unique but i'm curious to see what what is the secondary things sure, it adds sure. to it makes it unique i love the theme I always talk about how much I love Stone Age. Um, a lot of it has a player board where you're removing things from it as you place it out into this kind of little area control map, unlocking yeah. upgrades. So yes, that is honestly, that is my number one concern as well. Is not complexity or hard to understand. It's sure. just, is it going to have too much going on? Now, 
for fairness, some of those are modules, and so not all of it has to be played in together. Right. Um, but to me, it, it just seems like it's got a little bit of Kickstarter bloat with the one more thing, one more thing type of modules, and the game doesn't seem to, from what I've read or what I've seen, have an extremely pointed direction. And when you're not a super heavy game, sometimes not having kind of like the one thing that you're going to take away and be like, oh, this part of this game was really, really good. It's it, I'm afraid it's going to be there's too many things that are like mediocre versions of deck yes. building and worker placement and then area Correct. control and all this other stuff that there's nothing but, that really punches, but I don't know. We don't have, we haven't played it yet, but I, 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 I agree with those concerns. And so I, that's I'm one that well. I don't necessarily see getting played from our collection. Wouldn't, I wouldn't miss it if you were, but to I was saying the, the thing that would help it get it played is like I said, it, it's really quick to set up because sure. you have all your individual player trays have organized. And so everyone just takes their trays set up. And so usually sometimes that's a detriment is like, we're already kind of iffy on it, but then do you want to go through the full investment setup? The play mat is sure. going to take care of a lot of that, and you have all your trays. And so sure. it's a pretty quick setup, and a lot of the mechanics, the cores, we've already have down. So the big thing is just learning what are the new things it adds. Uh, I still really want to play this at least once um, just to kind of see what all the the, the hype is, the hoopla yeah. around it. Um, but would I, would I be terribly heartbroken if, it, if we did sell it? Not super strongly. Um, cause I do feel maybe after we, unless it just really stands out and blows us away after a play. I just think you're going to have such a hard time getting Brady over the hump with that art, man. I'm just saying, uh, but it doesn't uh, look as like, it looks very similar to the Garfield games. I think it looks better though. And, I don't know. It, the, the artwork has a little bit like when you look at some of these cards, they have more environmental artwork yeah. in the background. It's just not a, a 2d person. Um, they're a little bit more interesting and the iconography is not. Garfield games. That's true. I think that's the biggest. It's not the artwork that gets us as much as the iconography because everything fair. is just squares and circles of different chromatic colors. It is the one thing I'll give them credit and then we'll move on is that if you've played one Garfield game, you've played all of them and meaning that you can <laughs> translate the icons to any which if you're a fan. Yeah. To me, those games are just okay, a guess hair lighter than I, than I want, but the, the um, icons do help. So in the that, case of I, should it stay or should it go for me and this winter, that's a go. Okay. Yeah. And I, I think that is a plus and a minus for the Garfield games. Yeah. It helps with, with, you know, playing the different games, but then it also can make things feel a little we, bit more. We saming. don't need the level of consistency that they have for our own purposes. Like we play enough games that iconography isn't typically something that uh, is something that we would need to have consistent across multiple games. But anyways, yeah. give me one that you've got that, you know, you're kind of iffy on. All righty. Um, this one is an oldie, um, but a goodie for a lot of people. Um, it's recently come out with, I think, a 20th year anniversary, a 20-year anniversary, uh, but it's kind of like some of those other games where they had the new anniversary, like Castles Burgundy, but it doesn't really make the game that much more uh, deluxe. They came out with kind of a new standalone sequel, I think, with it as well, um, but that is Puerto Rico. Oh. Uh, now, I picked up, I can't remember where I picked this up, uh, but it's the original um, artwork production from sure. the tw 2002 doesn't um, look amazing. Copy this game. And Puerto Rico was in top board game right. list and stuff for a, quite a long time. Uh, it's, it's one of the titles from Aaliyah Games and Ravensburger. Uh, and so it has a lot of a lot of those really old school Euro mechanics. Um, but I, I'm a, I'm, I, this game just doesn't make me feel excited. Because a lot of it <laughs> is, is um, resource management and kind of a cycling production. Uh, which we enjoy a lot of resource economic type games. Um, but I'm just afraid like this one is just going to feel old. You all sure. have your individual player boards. You're, you're adding things to your plantation. You have revolving, it looks like 
markets and, and um, yeah, uh, different abilities. Um, but is it a game that's going to, I feel like this is, and maybe even when I bought it, this was, I want to maybe at least try it once, but it would have to really wow me to want to stay sure. because I think a lot of these mechanics have been innovated on a lot um, in the past 21 years. Yeah. Um, and so that one, I would not be upset. The thing is, it's not a game that it's going to be easy to move just because right. there's a, that, a million there's of a them bajillion in, produ- copies, right? in production. I think I bought this from a, is like one one of the conventions they had like those areas where the like little board game stores are set up and this is discounted. So like I got it, I got it for fairly cheap. Um, yeah. And just to kind of try out, cause I still pre- want to like tr- try out the history of board gaming and, and Puerto Rico is definitely a history of board gaming title. Um, and so I, yes, I would still would like to try it. Uh, it I just feel like it's going to be hard to get you all excited outside sure. of the concept of, Hey, this hey, is, a, his, classic, is right? classic. Let's try it out. Um, but thing is, we've been surprised by a lot of classics. Oh, yeah. You know, Brady really hey, into I mean, Castles of Burgundy. First on the top 100. So I mean, it's it's not like it's a bad game. No, I know. Um, but it, it might be. You know, there are old games where we play and we're like, wow, that was really like uh, Rhinelander is a game that I don't feel like has been replicated too much. But we may play Puerto Rico correct. and say, oh yeah, this game does this better or other things like that. And the reason is Puerto Rico came first, right? Like respect the. Um, you know, the people who laid yeah. the foundation. Which is, I've seen in some other Reiner games where like, I'll, it seems old, but it's, it feels old because it was the first one to do it. Sure, sure. Uh, they did the sequel from Leah Games, Puerto Rico, 1897. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would still, like I said, like to try it if everyone else was like, yeah, let's just try out this classic to say we did. We may be surprised and it and and, and enjoy it a whole lot more than we think we would. Um, sure. But my heart wouldn't be broken if we yeah. didn't. All right. Well, I'm going to pick a game, Matthew, that I'm sure you picked up after we played a certain game, thinking that it was going to be this game 2.0. And that's just based, I don't know a lot about this game, but looking at the board, uh, we love City of the Big Shoulder. Yes. And looking at Arkwright. Arkwright is before. So I'm just saying, I feel like you probably picked it up after we played City of the Big Shoulders, because looking at it, I mean, this board looks busy. I'm going to be honest. And this game... Seems like it is a heavy euro. It came out in 2014. Heavy euro, it says, amass wealth as a manufacturing entrepreneur embrace the industrial revolution. And in the description, it says, when hiring workers, demand is automatically created. But of course, you want to replace your expensive workers, wage two to five, by machines to have more input from your factories. And I'm like, that sounds too close to what I do in my job. Um, I don't know if I want it. It's a little close to home. So yeah, um, but the artwork and even the, components look very similar to... Um, City of a Big Shoulder. Right. This is it a Capstone like Games a very, production. It looks like an older, heavy, kind of dry Euro that probably has some great yeah. mechanics. But if I think about what games in this list of 30 would get me excited to get to the table, this one is probably right at the bottom of the list. Just looking at it because I don't see anything that's going to tell me I'm going to get something new from this game. I think I would play a good, well-designed Euro Um but I don't think it's going to leave me being like, wow, this brought something new and fresh just based on looking at it. Maybe it can. Again, these are all kind well, this of is one surface title. level takes. And I'm more going off of if I have this list of 30 games and I had to rank my desire to play them from top to bottom, this one's going to be down at the bottom as a mix of the artwork and really the general kind of description or commentary doesn't seem like yeah. it's going to be much to write home about. Yeah. Um, well, this is this is very this is this is one of the titles that Punchboard Paradise talks about a sure. lot because they really got on a kick for City Big Shoulders, but I think they've kind of swayed back to Arkwright. Yeah. Uh, some because it the thing that we liked about City the Big Shoulder was the stock market 
influence manipulation and how yeah. to put pressure you know, that shared system on each other. And that's something that you do in Arkwright is you set prices for the goods of your factory. Um, and then you prove your factories to higher levels. Um, and so you're trying to define that balance, but then also determine it on the other players as well. Um, and so that was something that we enjoyed a lot in um, City of yeah. the Big Shoulders. We just felt City of the Big Shoulders was maybe lacking some of that refinement. Um, whereas Arkwright seems to be one that people are still going back to. Sure. And so I, I definitely don't, of course, I haven't played it, um, but I feel like um, for this type of game, it's either going to be like City of the Big Shoulders or an Arkwright in your collection. We probably wouldn't need to have both. Yeah. And so really, I got this one just, is just to compare to City of the Big Shoulders and see if yeah. this maybe did th some things better or cleaner yeah. uh, that we would enjoy more. Just looking at the board, there's so many different chits. There's a, a section of the board that has a row of, and I'm eyeballing this, but probably 80 little wooden ponds that are set up one by one along this little track. And I'm sure those are just workers. Or That's a worker it. market. And I'm just like, man, it just looks so, so it's it in, looks very busy. It looks, yes, it looks busy, but it's from my understanding, it's pretty simple as, as they're, as the workers are removed from the top, right, right, they're going to cost more, right? Yeah, oh, and, things like that. It makes sense, right? I'm just saying and there's different like, industries that they're associated with. Do I want to pull out a board and then individually set up 80 ponds into a specific location, right? Like, just sounds like a lot of work. Yeah. And I haven't gone full depth into reading the rules, but it looks like your player boards is that you're having similar types of it. Cause it looks like there's four different industries, whether that's food or textiles or, um, right. Diff those different type of industries, but then each person is trying to run their company in each of those four yeah. better. And so we're all trying to buy workers from those four markets. Right. Whereas and see the big shoulders, like, well, you were only doing textiles. I was only doing food. This only other person yeah. was doing this where we're all trying to compete in the same space back and forth. That may be a little bit more interesting. Um, yeah. yeah, this is definitely one I want to try uh, just for the sake of, I don't think I want, even though I enjoy City of the Big Shoulders, I don't think I need three City of the Big Shoulders-esque games. Correct. But if this one could be even better than that, I think that could be something special. It's true. Um, all right. So that's one, again, if if we're ranking your list on what most excites me to play or what I wouldn't uh, be sad to see go, this one wouldn't uh, wouldn't be missed, Matthew. Yeah. All righty. So my next game here um, is from a designer. There's, there's a handful of designers on it, but one of them, Virginio uh, Gigli, who does a lot of uh, things with Simone, um, a lot of different titles. Does this one start with an A? It does start with okay. an A. This was my third one. You did have it on your third one? Yeah. Okay, and this is alma mater, yep. um, and 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 theme and concept. It's very it cool. Looks fun. Is you're essentially you're running a your students at a school, and you know your resources or your different tracks you're going up and managing is your education. And I've learned the rules for this back yeah. back when I've forgotten a, a lot, but it is from what I remember, it is a system type game where you need to do this, which then allows you to do this, like cycling. Um, managing your knowledge and your education and your students um, in a school. Um, but it's right. kind of very, it's a, it's a Euro game. Um, you seek out, yeah, you, you're working with different goals and you're acquiring students and teachers and you're going to different tracks with your books and knowledge. Um, it, I think I got, the, I didn't buy this one new. I think someone was selling this used on, uh, on the Facebook marketplace and it was a good deal, um, a good deal for it. And so I picked it up. Um, I think it's, it was supposed to be also in the same kind of line as Coimbra. I okay. think maybe I may be wrong on that. Uh, but Coimbra as a kind of a series of type of games 
um, Coimbra obviously being a Western. Um, it was interesting. It's a Euro. It was a good deal. Sure. But there wasn't a lot in it that really stood out. Um, as and that unique. was the same thing that I saw. It looked like a fun twist on a theme, right? So you're a headmaster of a university. Uh, but at the same time, it it just looks like another Euro game with a pasted on theme where you're really just pushing yes. things up tracks, trying to link actions one into another. So Yeah, and your, your different resources are different colored books that represent different studies, science, sure. math. And then you use those books to place them on like gold cards that need to match those required resources. And so, yeah, it, there wasn't anything unique about the theme where, they, like you said, it wasn't a little maybe pasted on. You could have replaced this with something else. Um, honestly, of the ones that we've talked about, this is one that I'm probably most okay if we don't play. Um, I honestly haven't even mentioned. I've had it for a while. I think maybe I'm underneath my bed right now um, <laughs> storing stuff. Um, and I haven't really even brought it up a lot because I haven't been that excited. Um, if this is something some of you were wanting to try, definitely would. Um yeah, this is probably yeah, but this is probably lowest on my desire yeah. to play. Any other one on your uh, desire to play list that you want to call out? I know that one was kind of a bit of a crossover with me, but uh, well, my third one, my final one, and I think we mentioned this before a while ago about like games that we were disappointed by or that kind of let us down of what they promised to be versus what they are, and because of that, we've been un unexcited, not excited to play it. That's Cryptid Urban Legends. Okay. Now, this is from Osprey Games. Obviously, we love Cryptid. We sing its praises all the time. We think it's fantastic. Um, and so we were thinking, okay, we're getting a Cryptid 2.0 with more urban, like Mothman and these different yeah, type yeah. of type of things. But it turned out it was kind of a little bit of a bait and switch on how they mm. advertise the game. Because this is a two-player game, which is great, but it's more of a it's a hidden movement uh type game to where you're essentially trying to find my piece. It's not a it's not a deduction game sure. like Cryptid is. Now, to be fair, we haven't played it. Uh, I know some other uh, hidden movement S type games that are two player like sure. Fugitive we love. And so there may be some redeeming qualities, but honestly, I've been so thrown off by what the game alluded it would be and what we hoped it would versus what it sure. is. And essentially what it is that you're, you're playing these kind of tiles uh, or cards kind of face down and they're kind of like these urban city streets and, and, the one player is trying to find where in the city streets the other player is. Yeah. And it, to me, it, it, it loses a little bit of that cryptid. I feel like it, this shouldn't be called a cryptid type game. Um, cause yes, even though, uh, base cryptid is very flat with its colors. It's, it's very straightforward. That is very, you just have block pieces that represent things on the board. There's no actually cryptid. You still feel like you're hunting. You still feel like you're right. searching for things. You're still like, you still like you're trying to solve clues and solve mysteries. And so Cryptid does a great job of bringing theme in an abstract game, even though the theme isn't on the artwork. Yes, it's on the box, but when you're actually looking at the board, you're just seeing kind of this landscape. Yeah. You're not seeing the cryptids. You're not seeing things move and then pop up. Like some of these hidden moving games, you find the person, they place their ministry out there, we found them, and then when they disappear, they remove it again. Like in... Um, um, Spectre Ops, yeah, yeah, that yeah. kind of that kind of mm -hmm. effect. There's none of that encrypted, but okay. yet you still feel like you're hunting something. Yeah. This game, it could have been called anything else, hide and seek, the murder mystery game, yeah, something right. like that. Um, and so, I do want to, <laughs> I do want to play it just to say I did, and because it may, if I just say, hey, this is yes, it's called cryptid, but this is just a completely unique, different game. Um, it may be a great two-player experience because we sure. like I said we like fugitive that kind of hide and seek push and pull 
Um, but it has been really big, just turn off uh, from what I wanted the game to be. To what okay. it is. All right. Well, is that all? I think that was all of our. That's all movies. the. That's all the ones that we want to see go. So see you know go. what that means. That means we get. Well, I'm not saying go. These are just play the least. You're uh, you're ready to ship them out the door. I was saying, like Matthew, you got to capitalize while people still care about that uh, endless winter game. We're ne- we're never gonna play that. Play next week. It's coming I don't Monday. Want to. Well, I'm gonna put it on the randomizer, and you're not gonna have a choice. <laughs> I'm out of town. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Um, all right. I mean, how long? How long is Endless Winter supposed to play? It's not that long, Matthew. So we can play it, but I would rather play any one of these games that we're about to talk about, Matthew. So the flip I know side that's of this the trick. That's the trick. Of all the games you have on here. So once we play the three on your we... list, then we'll play this as your fourth option. Sure, Matthew. If that's what would bring you joy. Um, we have uh, my list was a little longer on this one, but we're still going to stick to three. Um, so my game that I'm most excited. I'm John, I'll take with, that as a compliment. I have I'm more gonna, games that you want to play on oh, my list absolutely. than not. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm going to start with the one I am most excited to play, and uh, this is after the Empire. Okay, after the Empire just seems so cool. I remember seeing this at Gen Con. I think that's when you picked it up. You lugged it around in your bag with a bunch of other things oh my word um but this is like after the fall of rome goes into the dark ages and you're you know trying to protect your castle from invading enemies it seems like there's like a worker placement resource management um kind of side to it but it's a competitive but it seems like you have to help other people out as well i don't i don't honestly know too much about this game outside of the cover looks yeah so it's essentially it is a tower tower defense right yeah so you are building your castle. Your castle has four different walls. Right. There's different quality of resources, mm-hmm. wood versus own. I don't. Each person's player board has their own castle on it. Matthew, come on. Yeah. This game is ridiculous. And I can't remember if the version I had had some of the upgraded uh, resource pieces. So, so like the, the, the wood is wood and stone are plastic cues, but they're textured to be like wood or stone. I don't know if I have that or not. I can't remember if I've opened up the game. Uh, I've read through the rules at one point because uh, one night we were almost going to play it. Yeah. Um, and so that's the concept. And then there's worker placement on the main board to gain resources that will help you do that. You can gain soldiers, archers on the walls. And then essentially there's going to be a phase to where these cards, so it's not super thematic, right. but there are cards that are going to be different attacks. And the attacks are going to come from different sides of your wall. And you're right. essentially going to try to withstand these attacks. And when a kid calls degradation, a losing or degrading part of your castle wall. And so that's kind of the main gist of it. I just, the thing that has hesitated me from pushing, um, um, wanting to play this more is that I absolutely abhor uh, the graphic design of this game. Really? Uh, um, I think it's kind of fun. Yeah, I don't know what it is about it. It just feels, it's very shallow of me. I know it just feels low quality looking at the main game board. Um, it just feels like so- something someone made. Not you know, your player boards and component, that looks all cool and great, um, but just the main... That's fair criticism then. If the main, I guess the main... Worker placement action on the board doesn't seem refined, I guess. I think once you get all the cards on it, because I, I think that's part of the problem, because the, all of your cards go on the board, it'll look better. Um, yeah. And so I guess this little things like that has hesitated me. And then the other um, concern is how much player interaction, like how tight is the worker placement? Because once the, the attacks come, you're not really interacting with the other players as much. You're just trying to survive. Um, and I don't know how much of that feels bad moments are going to be in the game when you just get hit by an attack. I can't sure. remember if everyone's attacks are different 
or there's like a global attack and we all have to withstand it. I believe it. it's directional. So based on how the card flips out determines which area yes. it attacks. To. And it may be too, and I'm trying to remember, okay, it may be that there may be uh, like a row where you see the attacks are impending. Yes. Okay, then you can predict it. So that makes it a little bit better. Right. I mean, we can we can have this on the docket next week if you want to. I would love I to I would be all about it. So have it on that's the one that I would love to play. I know the longest turn has been talking about this one recently too. Oh, they have? They what? enjoyed it. Uh, and I know that Tom had a glowing review for yeah. it. Um, and it was like, I think Tyson everyone, really enjoyed it. Um, and, and I don't remember if everyone has had the chance to play it over there, but, um, anyways, it's one that ever since you picked it up at Gen Con, that box, man, I don't even care what the game was. The box, it just box made me think great. of age of empires. That's what was just flowing through my veins. It felt like an age of empires esque type game, but after the empire would be one that I would love to play. Yep. All righty. Very good. I'm in agreement with you. Um, as long as yeah, everyone else is prepared for, there may be a little bit more toy factor than deep mechanics may be yes, part of it, but Hey, that's hey, not, we're miniature gamers now, Matthew. That is true. We're miniatures gamers. Listen, we've, we've made making progress on our, oh. our 40 K armies. Um, just slowly just putting them together, gluing pieces. <laughs> oh, makes me feel like a little yep. kid. All righty. So my, my, uh, first one here off the top, and I think this may be my most wanted, uh, to play. Yeah. I think what's, uh, Hey, it's top three. So, uh, and that's going to be Dominant Species. Um, Dominant Species. Yep. And so this is the OG 2010 uh, from GMT Games. They have the Marine, Life or Marine, Dominant version of Dominant Species now. Um, But this is uh, essentially a area control action selection type game um, to where we all play as different species in this tundra um, kind of at the end of... um, end of the ice age or there's some kind of there's going to be some kind of global ca- catastrophic event that's going to wipe out and so we're all just kind of fighting for survival on the main map and board um and we're all different species and so we have an alignment of what food or resources we need to survive and all these hexes on the boards are based on the land type is it forest is it tundra is it a desert is it a wetland right they're going to provide those resources for us and so you have uh, predilections for where you want to be on the map and how you place yourself as just a basic concept. But then the really interesting thing that it gets me most excited, obviously, yes, it's area control. You're pushing in and out. So it's, it's, I mean, it's in your face type game, right? But it's also he- highly strategic is the action selection mechanic of the game. Now, if I get this a little wrong, don't crucify me. I haven't played it. I learned the rules way back when, um, but there is essentially a, um, on the right side of the board, there's an action selection uh, and it goes from top to bottom, left to right. And so what that means is there may be a dozen actions and they're listed from top to bottom. And that's how they're right. resolved, top to bottom. And then your placement on those actions is how the resolved left to right. And so when you go to place your uh, your worker pawns or your action pawns, from what I remember, I could be a little off, is that you can go all the way as far down as you want, like we do in a lot of other games, but then you can't go any higher up. Okay. And so you can jump down to gain yourself priority in a certain action phase of the game or a certain action of the game, uh, depending on what you'd need, but then you're sacrificing things above it. I believe in my heart. That's, that's how the mechanic works. Okay. I may be a little off, but that's essentially, essentially the gist. And then it's, it's uh, resolved top to bottom, left to right, yeah. based on who chose those actions first. And there can be some different bonuses. If people don't go to some actions. Just seems um, like a hefty game, man. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a little bit heavier game. Now there are, there are some like quasi official, modules or variants that they've the publishers talked about i believe 
to kind of streamline the time are they length official of or are you and Brady's uh, no, no 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 official. these are these are stuff that people actually okay. do on, on BGG there's a couple of cards that they remove from the deck because there's it's essentially an, there's a card t- yeah. t- deck um, they call them available dominance cards that you can acquire that give you unique abilities they push the time of the game when that triggers in and so there's different cards you can remove that help that flow a little bit faster especially for a, a newer right. game or people haven't played it as well and so Yes, it's a GMT, and so a lot of the components are wooden, and they're not little miniatures, even though I've seen people upgrade all those to be actual little birds or little lizards, little tiny little pieces. Um, but I think it's a really interesting action selection mechanism in a area control uh, type game. And it is an, it's, I mean, it's a point-based, so it's not like you control these. Again, I haven't played the game, don't know all the rules, but <laughs> it's point-based. And so there's different things in the game that will score you points. So... Just because you don't control the spaces doesn't necessarily mean that you're winning the game. Obviously, I'm sure that's going to help you, um, but it's just not like oh, fighty fighty, I lose this, I lose control of this territory. Now I lose the game type thing, right? right? There's there's sacrifices for points and that and that stuff. So it's a little bit more, um, a little bit more deep than that. I think on your player board too, you can upgrade. So every character, every faction, whether you're birds or lizards, there's a hierarchy of the of the food chain. Yeah. And so base, it's kind of like a rock, paper, scissors system of like you have priority or tiebreakers over this type of faction. Um, but on your player board, you can add different foods types that your species um, can eat or use. Okay. And so it you kind of customize where you can place yourself in this ecosystem. But I think, too, the board is changing as you go. So the board is growing yes, and changing. Like some method. Yeah, tiles, you bring it out. But then there's also like snow that's going to come in. And you're, so certain tiles are going to die. Hmm. Um, and so, I mean, this game has, has been, what is, what is it ranked? I mean, it's, it's 13 years old. It's ranked 84. 84. It, it was 665 strategy. It's been a lot higher. Obviously the age has, uh, brought that down some. Um, and I, I don't know where the, the sequel is for it. I know there's a card game for it. Surprisingly enough, I haven't ever heard Dominant anyone Species talk about Marine is like 800 something, 853, 47, probably just cause it's a sequel. Um, Yep, and so that's that's one I really want to try because I just I feel like it shared cubes ecosystem and cones. cubes and cones. Hey, it's simple. It's a GMT game too, so that's Elegance. part of the uh, and the reason for it is you got to be able to read, so it's colors and shapes so that you can read the yeah. board state. Anyways, uh, I would play this. It's not like the thing I get the most excited about, but I'm sh- I've heard just, so many good things about this game, and I've heard it's very cutthroat. Thing is, when you get in it, you're gonna be like, wow, like the the. The game is giving me more than just the components would say. Right. All right. Well, the next game I'd like to talk about is uh, Perseverance Castaway Chronicles Episodes 1 and and 2. That's my number three. I want to play this game just solely based on the pain that you went through when we bought this. I think we've told the story a bajillion times, right? And but it's not an exaggeration. You bought physical this, pain. We were like walking by the Mind Clash booth. It was the, like the first thing in the morning. Very first thing. And you're like, like oh in the my morning. gosh, bro, they have this. It was Kickstarter and copy. Never heard of it. All this stuff. And it was all washed. So this is like the primo. It's like, this is, you can't get this. And the Kickstarter campaign was already done. There's no other right. way to get it. And they had like two or three copies and like, uh, we have to get this. Yeah, you were you were stoked about uh, thirty pound box, and then you carried it around all day. Um, but it just seems like such an interesting theme, right? We already talked about it a little bit earlier, so I won't dive into deep. But there's two episodes, right? So there's kind of that continuity between them, but also like it's about this luxury ocean liner that's caught caught in a storm, and then these survivors land on an, a 
Dinosaur Island. Okay, so there's no time. I, I th- my mind, I thought it had some time travel aspect. I don't believe there's time okay, travel. Okay, so there's like very, this dice is like drafting, a, dice placement. This is which, is it Jurassic Park two where they, that that John what <laughs> my my friend. I'm sorry. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry to. I think it's you. either. I think it was Jurassic Park two, um, where or it may have been three. Is it? Is it either two or three? Where a family stops on a on a beach on their vacation. They're like on a little yacht. You're just boat. talking to the listeners now, Matthew. Yep. I'm and sorry. the kids get out and they start playing with these little lizards that turn into to be dinosaurs and they attack and kill them. And so that is uh, that's the premise of one of the movies is that there was a second island where they had all their research bases and stuff where the they they tested that dinosaurs became to before they came to Isla Nublar, I think is the main island. Um, and so that's kind of this concept as well. Have you ever watched those like journey to the center of the earth or the island at the top of the earth or any of these kind of movies to where like there's, nope. there's a separated part of the I world seen journey to the center of the earth with Brandon Frazier. Right. Wasn't he in that one? Yeah. And then there's one, there was an Long old Disney movie ago. that came out in like the sixties. It was called like um, city or world at the, um, top of the earth and it was like this expedition huh. uh, and they went through the Arctic and when they got to the very close to the North Pole there's all these like geysers there so it created this artificial kind of a hot zone where like dinosaurs and all these kind of old civilizations still lived that kind of thing has always yeah. always intrigued me and so right. the theme is a 10 out of 10 perseverance on both of our lists so maybe you hop to your next one how many games are we going to play this coming Monday Shoo. three or four all nighter all nighter absolutely all right, so my second one, and if this is not on your list, I will be shocked. Um, and that is going to be the newest Lacerda title. Oh yeah. oh yeah, this is going to be my last one. Weather Machine. Look at this double crossover here, Matthew. Are we just are we so just we clearly Weather right Machine now? and Perseverance are the two games that clearly we should play next. I would vote Perseverance on Monday night, but do <sighs> and after the Empire. Maybe we'll go after the Empire first. Well, the thing is, I feel the, like Brady would enjoy Perseverance, and I don't want to play without him. Yeah. We can play it again. We don't have to play this game just once. I know, but um, we're not gonna we're not gonna play a game like this and then immediately play it the next week. I don't think. Brace, it's gonna be a while. I don't. She's not, not coming back for another week, bro. Yeah, so we have time. Um, but Weather Machine is the newest release title from Vital Lacerda with Ian Atoll, which I don't yeah. know that there's been outside of um, Cole Worley and um, um, what's his name? He does the artwork for Root. Kyle Farron. Kyle Farron. There's more iconic duo of artist designer. Shaq than, and Penny, man. Huh? It's like Shaq and Penny. Yeah. Or Kobe and Shaq. Not sure, but Kobe and Shaq. It's, never mind. You missed it. Over your head. Or, or Pippen and Jordan. Yeah. Uh, the, these two are the heavyweights. flopping. John. Ooh, got him. Get out of my kitchen, Frank John. discussion we're having right I here, know. Matthew. Get, get out of my mind. Um, but these, like I said, these two are, are heavy hitters, and the, the only issue with this is we need to play this two player you and i before we play with anyone else i feel like that's when it comes to like these lesser games yeah. they're best at three and we need to play them at two to get the rules down and then we sucker a third person to play them with us yeah because uh, i i love oh. the gallerist and if you were talking about games we have played that need to get back to the table gallerist is pretty fantastic high. um we played it at two it was great yeah. but you could always see where a third player would add just enough, just enough uh, tension, tension extra for kickout moves and other things like that for resource right. spaces and worker placement. But then a fourth, oh, it, yeah. I don't know what it is, but always a fourth person I feel adds more link to the game or it's not needed. Um, now weather machine has had some really higher reviews. Some people have felt, found it was a little bit less, um, not quite as good as some of the other titles. So it's, it's, it's kind of going back and forth. It's not a universally, this is fantastic. Although everyone says it's still good. 
Um, but I think the theme in this is fan is is really really interesting. Um, you're essentially you're trying to create weather machines, right? Um, and you're different scientists, and you have the the player boards in this are probably some of the most in depths of all of Lacerda's player oh, boards yeah, as far as moving donkulous as far as like slottable moving pieces like um like uh, uh Kanban EV. You just have some places where you slot upgrades or you put your cars in the garage right. where they're waiting. Or some of the spots just hold resources. Whereas these player boards, you're there are different tracks, there are different sliders, you're putting down different probably looks like they're books that you're studying or doing research in. There's a lot going on in the game. There's there's looks like there's three main action areas on the board. And then a lot of his games on the bottom have those kind of auxiliary uh, management areas that you're keeping up with. Um, and so just on on um, a history of what they've done before, um, this is the top of my list, but this is really going to be a game that you and I get played first. And whenever oh, yeah. we, we find a time or on a, a Saturday or Friday or something, when, when you quote unquote oh, are working, but uh, are just building Warhammer miniatures. Uh, all right. I know you're building some of those on the clock, John. There's I, no I, way. I have over lunch built a few of those, okay. but most I, of the time it's during the evening. Like once Caitlin goes to bed and if I'm still awake, I'll make some. Yeah, you, you're a little ahead of me Watch on, the, YouTube. on the miniature building. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, uh, you've, got a, you've got a girlfriend, Matthew, that you've got to keep up with and talk to. So taking up some of your time, you know. Yeah. Does she listen to the podcast? I don't know. <laughs> I mentioned to her that we're recording, but I don't know if she listens or not. If you're out it's probably a little too nerdy. Probably a little too nerdy. Matthew um, smiles every time he talks about you. So. <laughs> okay. There you go. Yeah, so that's Weather Machine. Um, <laughs> and I feel like we're doing, like I said, there's a lot of games we haven't mentioned. Are there any honorable mentions from... Um, honorable mentions that we don't need to take too much time on. Uh, Toledum, Tiletum. Yeah. Crescent Moon is like a, a dark horse. Crescent Moon, I've heard some positive and negative reviews on. It's an I, asymmetric, faction-based, like war game kind of root. When I bought, when I, when I saw Crescent Moon and I bought it, it's kind of like betting on the last horse in the Kentucky Derby, <laughs> just because if it does win, it's like wow, this is this right. is amazing. But if and it doesn't I've win, just, I've just heard. Imagine root, but like every faction supposed to purposefully counter another faction, so maybe more like vast, vast which I haven't played, but I'm interested in trying it. The art and the theme look pretty cool. Yeah, um, it's very. It's like it's in my mind. It was it was Pax Premier meets root. Yeah. And that, and you're like, oh, okay, this, uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to if say no to that, if that game would help take the sting off of some of what like makes Brady upset about root. If you know that this one person is advantaged to attack you based on how they're designed versus like the game state, that might be uh, yeah, less it, painful it's, than like, it's a hey, very, in the lead. So everyone's ganging up on it's me. It's a right? circle of life type right. thing. And that's what Vast did. Like this faction was kind of responsible for keeping up with this one, but then there was someone behind yeah. them. And so you could see where is in route, anything can happen at any point in time. Um, another honorable mention is uh, Carnegie. It's already up to 137. I've heard on, great uh, the ranks, this And this one. has been getting phenomenal, fantastic reviews. I, I can't remember if this is the deluxe version I got or not. I think it may not be. I was a little disappointed because I think they told me when I picked it up at one of the conventions that it was. Um, but it's not, hey, but that's not going to change the and quality of the game. The other one that's like, kind of high on my list but also i'm like we should just play this around halloween is my father's work that's the only next one um, this one is one where we have to say hey we need to at least play a couple games back to back because there's right. a worker you need to spend a couple hours from what i heard this game is a long one but it's very episodic yes and it's like imagine gloomhaven but a worker placement right? well i was even gonna say it's like charter stone 
do you are you familiar with Charter Stone? So no. this is an older Stone Meyer title where it's a worker placement game, but the board changes as yeah. you go through the game. Whether you're adding stickers in this game, uh, a lot of it there's like a flip book, yeah. And so it's it's actually shows as the progression, the history. Yep, yep, you change, and then so things and will change. Depending on in how you town. treat certain people or actions that you do, some things may. But it's be not a cooperative game. Right. It's not a cooperative game. Um, and so it's it's a really interesting theme. Um, and I can't, off the top of my head, I don't know how many scenarios it is, but there is kind of a story. I think, I can't remember if there's an app. Yeah. I know there's definitely a narrative book to go along with it. Super cool. I have heard there's a lot of narrative in this one. A lot of narrative in it. And so it may be better at a two or three player count. Yeah. I think they recommend it as three, but it has all the inserts on it are really great. And so when I've looked at the setup and teardown isn't, isn't crazy because you have the yeah. main board and the center of the board is blank. That's where you put your your essentially map book yep. or the, or the town book there. And it's kind of exciting because you're like, okay, what is the town going to be like now? And then now right. what are my actions? Um, and so I think it's really cool. I've seen some really crazy upgraded resources yeah. of vials and stuff you can get on Etsy. Um, this is one I, I really want to get uh, to the table. Not mainly, I guess not for gameplay as much as just the experience yeah. of it. I feel like um, this would be fun to do closer to like the Halloween time. It's very like that spooky type themed. Um, Obviously, we don't need to wait till then, but it would be more of like an event game is what it seems like in terms of like, we're going to set time aside to play this for a couple hours because it 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 didn't seem like a Monday night game. Right? No, it, it didn't is, seem like, like a game night game. It was very right. much like a, hey, we're going to try to get together. We're going to have a good time playing this and to really I'll get make a, some snacks, you know, exactly. And to really get a feel for the game is you need to play multiple sessions sure. of it. And then again, I don't know how many possible sessions of it or how long you can go, but I know each one is a little bit lengthy. I don't know if a lot of that comes from the narrative or is the game just really slow? I'm not quite sure where that time comes from, um, but it's going to feel like I have a feeling that if you just do just a one game night and then don't touch it, it's going to feel like, well, why did we invest that time right. in it versus that re reward you probably get in the game comes from that second or the third and the, and the sequential play you see things change in your actions affecting the game state. Right. Um, so yeah. So this is definitely an, another one that I uh, really want to get played. Um, Cause I think when, yeah, yeah. When you buy this game, it's, it's all like, there was no, like I, I remember what they said. There wasn't a deluxe versus a, a standard version of the game. It was just all, all deluxe upgrades and stuff. And so we have everything for it. Um, it's a nice big box that is Absolutely. sitting in the corner of my room. Come on. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Anyways, this was fun to kind of go through some of the games you have. We've got quite a healthy backlog. Um, there's honestly not a ton of games that I have that we haven't played. Um, and I don't think Jake, like, so you're usually the one who has the most of. Yeah. And there's another 10 plus games in, right, in the works from touch. Kickstarter. Well, I'm saying yeah. that are going to be oh, added to it. Same here. Castles of Burgundy coming soon. That's all we're going to play for at least a month. So I'm excited for that. Just play it online. Anything else that's like uh, top of mind or anything you're excited about in the, the board game industry right now? Well, one thing that I have found on Instagram um, that I thought was really interesting, oh, yeah. really unique. Uh, and we're going to be talking some more about these type of things in a later episode. Uh, but one thing I just want to highlight now is there, there is a, there's an uh, Instagram account. It's called two intense games. It's the, it's the number two, um, and then intense games and what they've been doing. I don't, I don't know what their whole stick and what they focus on, but I know here in the past, uh, they're, they're about board games and board game enthusiasts and community and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but what they've been doing here for the past week or so um, is using AI um, to generate concepts for for art. And I, I I don't know if anyone else does, but I I love graphic design, graphic yeah. effects. If I people always ask, if you went back to high school, if you could do things over again, what would you want to do? If it paid better, I'd work in the graphic design <laughs> um, 
space space um because i i follow people on, on youtube corridor digital and corridor crew and they're they, that's all they do is graphic designs and they're constantly talking about ai implementation and and graphic designs and yeah. cg work obviously chat gbt is a big thing now for text or conceptual right. type ai generated stuff but there's been a lot of pro, uh, progress that top people you know um, how you're taking people's like with the Mark Hamill in the uh, recent Mandalorian season, right? You're doing um, face swapping and you're doing CGI right. uh, AI to essentially learn people's facial recognitions uh, and create that type of stuff. And so there's been a lot of progress. And what he's been doing is using one of these programs to create AI generated board, board games, games based on um, key, key terms and concepts that you type into the program. Now, it's not giving you rules. It's not giving you anything, but it's giving you an image yeah. uh, of the game. And there's producing some phenomenal graphic or visual concepts uh, to board games. Cause I always feel like you can easy, you can, you can write down, okay, what are you want? What do we want this board game to do? What mechanics, but then how do we, how do we visualize? How do we bring that concept right. to life? Um, and obviously, you know, there's a lot of visuals, so I, you know, I'm going to go into detail, but looking at these pictures, almost every single one of these, I look at is like, this looks like a board game. If I saw it, I would immediately ask, you know, how do you play this? What's going on in the game? There's just beautiful visuals. And he'll he'll put one like one is traveling around the world in a hot air balloon, AI generated board game. Or there's one that looks amazing is a camping theme, AI generated board game. And it has pieces, it has tokens, it has iconography in it. Obviously, you know, it's not very cohesive in what that is. But just looking at the game, the game looks like it was designed and has intention or purpose in it and so i definitely recommend uh you all going out and just looking up that uh instagram page two intense games it's very interesting it's very interesting and obviously you know then there's like how do you actually produce that and right. where's the intellectual property from and, that which i guess doesn't exist if it's just random right and randomly generated and there's a lot of um in my two cents because this is a pretty hot topic in a lot of industries right people are afraid of AI replacing true artists, right? And I think there's... Um, well, to be fair, the, the AI learns from true artists. Right. The, so, right? But I'm saying there are some people that are saying like, hey, AI art doesn't belong in games, other things like that. To me, I don't have anything wrong with people leveraging technology. I don't think it diminishes the talent of someone like Ian O'Toole, right? Or other things like that. I oh, think no. it's going to equip people with less resources to compete in a wider space. Yeah. Um, but it, it's interesting in like... Because uh, I've tinkered with this before because I know Quackalope did an episode on this before about uh, for people who don't have a lot of resources making art because there's websites yeah. you can go to and you type in the, like Lord of the Rings and a steampunk world and it will give you a still image, just yeah. a flat image. But then you could pay a small fee and you have now you have access to because every time you do is going to create something different. You find something you right. like and you can use that for just still images on cards yeah. and stuff like that. I mean, there's plenty of there's plenty of uses for it. Um, again, I think. But if you're if you're for 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 a company or a publisher and someone comes, hey, I have this great idea for a game. It's it's this setting, these mechanics. I want cards. I want this component. You can put that into an AI engine and you can start. Is like you can put it into your pitch, right? Yeah. What right. I hope doesn't happen is we have a bunch of random like AI generated stuff on Kickstarter that clearly isn't real, right? Like so, there's there's a difference oh. between people who have actually designed and then could like I don't know the like the process of how someone would take one of these AI generated images and then translate that into oh, a real well, game. Well, the but, way you uh, would use this is you know what I want my game for the to pitch, do, right? It's for the pitch, but also right. the big question is how do we visualize our vision? Yeah. Right. How do I? Oh, sorry, I literally how do we visualize our vision, no, but how do we, sense, how yeah. do we, how do we take something that's on paper and give it life? 
And right. so this is a great just throwing stuff against the wall and seeing things that like, because it may show you things you may not have thought of. It's like, because yes, you have to have your mechanics. You have to have your rules. That's yeah, not going to yeah, be yeah. AI generated um, for the most part, anything of, of substance. But it's like, yeah, I want this... Um, I want this game, uh, worker placement, economic game set in a medieval town where right. I do this and this. How would it look? How What would right. be interesting to the eye? And that's what an AI art and generation could do. I think this do. would be, and, and again, we don't need to talk too much at length here, but I think it would be a fun topic to almost like see what we could come up with. If like, So I feel like I've got like random things that I think would be, oh, like maybe this theme would be good with this mechanic. Maybe we do some episode and talk about like, here's what we could come up with using some tools. And then maybe we, we do like an elevator pitch competition, right? Where you, yeah. me and Brady all kind of design our own game. Well, with some of I these can, tools I, and I can throw send you there. the link to some free websites where you can do what I was mentioning. I don't yeah. know what program this guy was using sure. for this. It may just be that still art where you can type in key terms, board game, comma, this theme, comma, and then you could put in like a movie you liked or an artist you like, and it would pull inspiration for their styles. And what we could do is we could, um, obviously can't do it on the podcast, but we post it here on the Instagram and yeah. discord of um, we each create a board game world and Come then on. maybe use some AI to generate concepts pictures, for it. Some rules. Yeah. yeah. Who can create the best AI, um, AI board game. I think AI. that would be a, I'm here for it. Really good idea. All right. Any, anything else, anything else new on the horizon? I don't think I've ordered anything. I still have horseless carriage and quest roll Dorado second edition in my miniature market cart. Is that the one with the Vincent to trade art? Or the, yes. Oh, that's gorgeous. We all enjoy Quest for Eldorado. I only played it once, but I had the a good cards time. are bigger now. I, that was one the of the funniest, is funniest moments with Brady and you. I'm but. going home. <laughs> going home. <laughs> Brady, you rode with me. <laughs> good old moments, Brady. Yeah. We miss you. Um, yeah. Hope you're enjoying the sun out in Greece. We'll be back in. Yeah, he'll be back in a week a next week Saturday. Today, yeah. yeah. All right. Well, I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. As always, I'm Matthew and I'm John. And this has been the, the discussion, discussion phase. phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and our discord link below to listen to your thoughts on all these topics. Thanks everybody. 